This is 2021. This is the Betfred Super League. Be ready. everyone and welcome along to the 36th edition of Eddie and Stevo the podcast sponsored by Betfred. We've been doing some research this week and uh, thanks to the thousands of you who have tuned in since we started towards the back end of last year. Thank you for all of your support. So where do we start this week? Well it was rivals round last weekend and for me there were three standout matches. Stevo let's start by saying well done at last to the Lee Centurions at the 17th attempt. They've got their first win of the season, 32-22 at home to the Salford Red Devils. Yeah, and I think it was really good with the fact that uh, it was against Salford. Uh, I always thought that they maybe would just pinch one, but you've got to give them credit. You know, they could have gone into back backward motion and said, oh, we're going to be relegated or whatever. The players should be negative or whatever. And I was so pleased that they won. You know, I mean, they won convincing, 32-22. And congratulations to them. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. They were always going to win a game against someone, I suppose. Uh, how do you think Salford must be feeling right now? Well, they're in a little bit of, uh, well, a little bit of trouble. You'd have to say that uh, I think they're safe now. I can't see that uh, Lee's got to win everyone, and that's virtually impossible, while you know the others have got to lose all their games. So they know they're doomed. But as I say, you've got to give them great credit because they, they haven't looked upon it as a negative. They've said, well, at least we'll go out with a fight, and that's what they've done. Indeed so, and we've been saying right the way from the start of this, you know, they will not give up. They won't give up until the... The final die is cast. Now, the winning margin was 10 points. Liam Hood and Adam Sidlow with late tries. But five penalty goals from Craig Mullen. That's 10 points. There's the difference. Salford just might be ruining their indiscipline, perhaps. Uh, well, yes. When you're in a little bit of trouble and you, you can see that uh, the opposition... Because, they, look, they've been fired up. They've got into a situation where they say, we know we're doomed, but we owe something to the fans. And that's what they're thinking about. They're saying, look, you've been faithful to us. You've worked hard. It looked as though we're not going to have a win, but we are going to work hard. And it wouldn't surprise me, Eddie, if they pull off not just one extra win, but then maybe two. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed for them. It's been a, it's been a tough old year for Lee. Uh, what an enthralling local derby. I know it was Rivals weekend, Rivals round, Steve-O, on Saturday. The whole derby, Hull winning against Hulkingston Rovers 23-22. It was a fantastic match. I think that was probably the best game of the season so far. 
I'd say that's probably one of the best games I've seen for maybe five years. I mean, it was tremendous. Uh, there was obviously a great atmosphere. Uh, the whole derby always is. But quite frankly, I, mean, I, was, I was on the edge of the seat and I'm thinking, this is a thriller. And it also shows a lot of people who knew through my broadcasting years, oh, he's on again, going <laughs> for the one point, going for blah, blah, blah. Is it is a pain in the backside for doing it. But when you look at it, they didn't wait until the final few minutes. They got that one point in early, and it made sure that they just scraped the win. It was fantastic. Drop goals are so important. And as you say, the penalties, they were important too. Yeah, you, you mentioned the drop goal. Um, Hull Kingston Rovers went for an equalising drop goal. It was a tremendous race from uh, the marker position by Jordan Lane, the charge down. Uh, fantastic end, great finish, wonderful. Yeah, but that's what you want. That's what look. That's what we've tried to say in the fact that you know how can we improve the game of rugby league? How can we attract more and more fans? Now I know we're going to talk a little bit later about all that. Maybe changing the the concept of the game of rugby league because we you know we've seen things like the one hundred at cricket. And it's attracting the youngsters. It's attracting the families. And that's what we've got to do, Eddie. We've got to try to make our game as exciting as what the whole derby was. And it was brilliant. It was. And I think you're alluding to the fact that Adam Pearson, the, the whole owner, has come out and sort of he, he's fired a warning shot across everybody's bows, hasn't he? he? He is quite concerned about the financial future of the game. And he believes that something somewhere has to be done. I think he's thrown a hand grenade into uh, the Rugby Football League and Super League. He says if we don't do anything quickly within 12 months, then we're in a lot of trouble. Now, I think we're halfway towards a bit of trouble, or a lot of trouble, as it is. And I have to agree with him. Adam Pearson says the sooner we get to do things like we've just seen on television, the Cricket 100 has been a huge success, but the most important factor, they were all families. They were all kids. We have to have private equity. Now, Super League tried that last year. They wanted the big corporates to get interested, but they lost three-quarter of a million for the company that tried to get it. The biggest problem that we have is that when you want private equity, when you want these big companies to come in and put millions especially like they've done in Rugby Union, put millions into our game, they've got to be involved in running it. You can't say, give us the money, but we run it. Look, the NRL in Australia have made it quite clear. There is no affiliation to any of the clubs whatsoever. In other words, people from outside of Rugby League are running the NRL. And is it a success? Of course it is. And you would think that that is what we have to do here. I know you, I know that you've just mentioned the hundred. Now the hundred is is a shortened version of the true game. A lot of deep rooted cricket fans, cricket lovers, people who like the five day test, the four day county championship matches, they fear that if the hundred takes off, it might actually dominate. It might dominate cricket, and we might not know cricket as we know it today in the future. Right. County Championship, what do they get? A thousand people there, if they're lucky? 
it's all about the the, the 50 overs it's all about the 100 it's it, it's it's played overseas it's it's making money all over the place and that's where we're missing out we have to make sure that we have private equity we have people we have big companies that want to get involved it's the same with football football would have gone in the same way as what we are facing now in rugby league if it wasn't for the fact that people from uh, the, the Middle East the people from America who virtually own the clubs especially the top clubs in this country and that has saved soccer as we call it in Australia it saved the football and we've got to do something quickly to make sure that we don't get left behind if we don't do something quickly as Adam Pearson has warned us by and I think it's absolutely spot on we have got to be in a lot of trouble if we do not reassess how can we bring back youngsters into our game but more importantly families and youngsters to come into and watch rugby league you don't have to be a scientist to work that out well you don't but okay so the hundred is the shortened version of cricket what's the what's the shortened version of rugby league how do you make rugby league more appealing to the likes of i don't know i mean barry hearn who was mooted at one stage to be thinking about a takeover of rugby league eddie hearn his son how do you make rugby league the way it is run now 80 minutes 40 minutes each way how do you make it more attractive to bring in the corporate money that you're talking about well first of all what we've got to do is what to assess how do we change that game do we change the point system do we give points for so many tackles, etc. Okay, we may be going over the top, but I can remember certain gentlemen who years ago suggested that if you were winning at half time, you got two points. And if you finished up winning at full time, you got four points. Everybody ridiculed him. <laughs> and I'm thinking, maybe Nigel Wood was correct. Maybe Nigel Wood was talking common sense. When we all, not just me, Everyone said, oh, what on earth is he talking about? But now I'm beginning to think, maybe, he maybe have got it right. Maybe we've got to do something that way. Look, I was up there last week at, at Whitehaven for the London game, and they, they asked me to say a few words before the game. They didn't like it, Eddie, because I said, I've always wanted Whitehaven and Workington to join together. To, oh. make to make Cumbria. It could be our saviour. You know, we've, we've got to be... We've got to be positive. If we're going to save our game, then we've got to make sure that we don't have it in one little cluster. And that's what we have. Because you can't attract the crowds unless you take it to the big cities. I, I, understand, I understand where you're coming from. I, I never thought I would hear you say that Nigel Wood's idea of two points for a first half win two points for a second half win and two points for a win overall I never in my lifetime thought I would hear you uh, giving that the green light but there you go it just shows you you've obviously thought Listen, about this <laughs> I, I, what I'm trying to do I'm trying to protect the greatest game of all I'm trying to suggest that people get a, look get off the platform which is called self-interest the self-interest came into it only a week ago because they wanted to say Super League 1 and Super League 2. We wanted to have four going up and four going down or whatever. There was all sorts thrown around. 
And what did they do? Oh no, one up, one down, relegation. We'll keep it. We're not moving with the times. Other sports are going ahead of us. You look at Rugby Union, I mentioned it earlier. They have nearly six hundred million pounds invested into into their game. What would we do with that? We'd make it what I call the greatest game of all. We have to change. We have to change our system. But the, the, those two words, self-interest. Well, we had big crowds at the weekend. We had a big crowd at the, the whole derby. We had a big crowd also at uh, the Wigan Saints match. Uh, and Saints recording their eighth win in nine attempts against the old enemy. Uh, Wigan just won Harry Smith penalty to show for their efforts. Wigan fans far from happy far from happy steve yeah they're going through a bad a bad moment maybe a few bad moments and there has to be pressure on the people that run the Wigan organization are they getting the best out of the players is the coach under pressure and i'd have to say yes he is under pressure because Wigan don't like losing they have to be up there at the top of the tree they're thereabouts, but to get walloped by St. Helens, oh, they don't like that at all. No, they don't. And I, I mean, it, listen, it has happened many times in the past before, and we're going to have had their revenge. And all right, 2021, we never know. It might end too kindly for Wigan. But remember back in the 90s, the start of Super League, for instance, Leeds, battered by injury, youngsters thrown in. They stuck with it, they came through it, and they went on to enjoy the golden era didn't they well they've always had the attitude that we pay good money to entice the youngsters to head inlet it's always been that way if you were an amateur especially in Yorkshire and you were playing well for that amateur club they would give you probably five times the amount of money that you could have got say at Batley, Dewsbury, Huddersfield or whatever they were at the front of making sure that their junior development was the best. And it always has been. Because in the past, you look through all of the junior competitions, Leeds was always there. And a lot of people criticised them because not only did they give a contract out to, say, maybe 10 of them, Leeds would offer 20 contracts. And the contracts were based on, on this principle only. We will give you a, a shed load of money to start with. In other words, if you didn't make it into first grade, then sorry, you only got a half your contract. If you were good enough, you got a lot more money than any other amateur club or a, any amateur player. And they were the, the forefront. It, <laughs> and it's not a secret. And I'm glad to see now that Leeds are doing exactly the same thing now. A lot of the youngsters are coming through. And I think they're developing well, especially under the coach Richard Aker. Some more bad news for Wigan. Willie Iser has got a four-match ban. He probably now will not play until the last round of the Super League regular season. So Willie Iser's out for four. John Bateman has got a one-match ban after having two yellow cards in the derby. And further repercussions this time for St. Helens. James Bentley of St. Helens, he's got a, a one-match ban as well. The Saints were simply too good on the night, Steve-O. You've tipped them all along to go all the way to Old Trafford. I imagine... Yep. You're not a man for turning now. Oh, no way. I think that uh, the way that they, they handled it was, was 
very efficient. Now, when you play a team that's red-hot favourites, sometimes the way to win and create a, a victory is to upset the opposition. It was a fiery contest, very fiery indeed. And I'm, I'm just so happy that the quality came through in the end. And I keep saying, I'm not pointing the finger at the, the Wigan coach, but you know what Wigan are like? They don't like to be behind the eight ball when it comes to playing St. Helens. And they haven't hit the high spots as far as I'm concerned. Uh, look, we, we, we mentioned Leeds, um, and they had the match against Huddersfield at the weekend. They won by 18 points to 12. In many ways, Steve, oh, it was heartening to see Rob Burrow back at Headingley for the game. It was obvious he was going to inject a lot of interest in regards to the crowd, but what he did in regards to the players. And I am so proud that it looks like Leeds are going to have a statue erected of Sinfield and Burrow. Yes, they are. Two great, two great players, and I, I appeal to everybody. Look, if you've got a spare bob or two, ring leads up and say, yeah, can I, can I donate something to ensure that the statue is erected at Leeds? Leeds say two of the club's greatest ever servants, Rob Burrow, Kevin Sinfield, seven Super League titles, two Challenge Cups between 2004, 2015. And as you say, the appeal is now launched for the £100,000 that's needed uh, to fund it. I will be donating and I'd love every person. Doesn't matter what the amount is, doesn't matter if it's only one pound. Just ring leads, find out how you can donate, because as you say, two legends. Absolutely. There's some further leads news, Steve O in the last twenty four hours or so. John Bastian. We talked about youth and the way that youth is the way forward. John Bastian, head of youth at Hulkingston Rovers, is to rejoin Leeds as player pathway development manager. He was head of youth before at Leeds. He left in 2008. He's also been at Warrington as well. And also talking of, of the youth side of the game, at Castleford, Danny Wilson, currently the uh, England Academy and Yorkshire Origin coach, and Rob Nicolay, who is the coach of the England Community Lions, they will be linking up with Lee Radford at the Castleford uh, Club. He's putting his emphasis on youth is Lee Radford. So, you know, your call for clubs to invest in the youth development is not falling on deaf ears. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Those two clubs, uh, they're very, very smart. They realise that, you know, these youngsters have, have got to be given a chance. And that's how it should be. More coaching appointments are coming in due course from Castleford, but I know that you have news of a possible coaching appointment in Queensland, in Australia, Steve-O. You have already <laughs> tip, you've already tipped me the wink about this. I'm, I'm absolutely stunned. Come on, tell everybody else. Well, today in Australia, the, uh, the NRL had the invitations to find out if a new Queensland team would enter the NRL, uh, either in 2023 or 2024. And there are three teams which are vying for that one spot. They're the Brisbane Firehawks, the Brisbane Jets, and the Redcliffe Dolphins. Now, the Brisbane Jets, they're the outsiders. And the reason why they're the outsiders, they have only secured from the Ipswich Council 
$10 million grant, which you'd think, wow, that's a lot of money. Isn't it just? But when you look at the Brisbane Firehawks, when you look at the Brisbane Firehawks, who are second favourite, right? And they are the backing of the club, which is the East Tigers in Queensland. And they're a feeder club for the Melbourne Storm. That's how good they are. The Melbourne Storm made sure that they are the Queensland uh, club. They're playing the Queensland Cup. Now, they have $80 million <laughs> worth of assets and $25 million in cash reserves. <laughs> and they're only second favourites. Now, the Redcliffe Dolphins, they're odds-on favourites because they have the financial weight of one, $100 million in assets. Their league club has a turnover of $34 million a year, which includes a shopping centre, office space, and a lucrative membership of 40,000 members. They have their own stadium, which at this point in time is only 10,000, and within the next few years, it will be turned into a, a 20,000 capacity. They are the feeder club for the New Zealand Warriors, and they are odds on. But the key to it all is all three clubs are claiming that they have approached Wayne Bennett to be their <laughs> coach when they do come in, either 23 or 24. Now, Wayne Bennett has made it quite clear. He is going back to Queensland after this season. Simple as that. I wonder which one he'll take. My money is on the Redcliffe Dolphins. And with that sort of money, that's where I'd be going. Well, you, you say that. Wayne, Wayne Bennett is 72 on the 1st of January next year. Um, you and I have hung up our boots a long time ago, and a, a, long, a long way before we're 72. Um, hey, listen, just... listen, I'm, I'm <laughs> put on my boots again. If, if either one of those clubs offered me, I mean, imagine a club that's got 100 million in assets and, and 40,000 members that have a brand new stadium built around, so it's, it'll go to 20,000 capacity. Don't worry. Uh, look, Wayne Bennett is a cool customer. Look <laughs> at how many things he's won over the years. All right, he didn't do, didn't do too good with the Great Britain squad when they were doing New Zealand and Papua New Guinea, but it's, I mean, only Tim Sheens gets anywhere near him in regards to the trophies that they've won. It's an amazing thing. It is amazing, and, that's why. And, and, he, and he is an amazing guy, and you honestly think that this could be his last hurrah? Oh, well, he'll probably sign a five-year contract, and so they, he'll, he'll be nearly 80 when he retires. <laughs> Look, he, he is not just a, a rugby league coach. He's a bit of a, a psychologist. Look, he works hard. And he has individual face-to-face -face situations with all the players. He knows if there's a bit of a trouble. Is there problems with your girlfriend? Is there problems with your wife or your family? Are you not happy or this and the other? That's how deep he goes into it. That's why he's the best. And that's why three of the Brisbane, <laughs> Brisbane clubs trying to join the NRL want him there. And I can't well, blame he, them. No, he would be a fantastic figurehead. Uh, the, there is no... There is no doubt about that. Look, we, we've touched just about everything this week. Um, I'm exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. I, I, Listen, I before, go on. before you go, Ed, I just caught on to uh, a, an interview with 
Michael Carter from Wakefield, uh, who evidently had been fined for criticising the match review panel. And Carter has described the random charges based on one, as he calls it, one nameless person. It's his opinion on a Monday morning. And he says, it's impossible to win an appeal unless you have enough evidence to free Ronnie Biggs. <laughs> if, that's not, if that's not the best way of saying it's a waste of bloody time that I've ever, I've ever heard. And you say he's been charged over his, his initial uh, response to the, to the disciplinary panel. I wonder what that's going to bring. I wonder what that little quote's going to bring. Well, I can't. Listen, I don't think they'll be they'll be happy with it. <laughs> but the thing, but the thing is, when you think about it, is that I'd like these nameless persons to say, "Hang on, my name is Harry Bloggs, and I think that he should be fined so and so, so and so, and suspended." I've got nothing wrong with that, but stop hiding behind it. Just say, "I'm Harry Bloggs," or Harry Smith or whatever, you know, be open about it. Don't hide behind it. That's that's probably why uh, Michael Carter is, is is just a little bit confused by it all and said, look, if someone rang me up and said, mate, this is what's happening, you've just got to cop it sweet. And he has. It's as simple as that. And on the final note, Eddie, guess what? No scrums for next season. No. Uh, next season, 2022. I know there's nothing in 2021. 2022 now you're saying and no scrums that's right right okay you're first with the news oh, don't again tell me I've come, don't tell me I've come up with an exclusive you have you've scooped you've scooped us Steve no. you've scooped everybody <laughs> well Steve-O the scoop has spoken and Steve-O the scoop <laughs> it's no scoop Steve-O the scoop will speak again thanks a lot Steve-O you've got the tongues wagging once again 